Can you believe we're going to be done with this season so like pretty far in advance of Thanksgiving? And Thanksgiving is early this year. It feels weird. It feels unnatural. It, I agree. It's really weird. Um, I mean, I don't feel like we should be done because of the way the episodes have been going. But <laughs> but yeah, it does feel weird. I, do, do we start earlier this year than normal? I don't think so. I think it's just such a short season. Um, I think that way back in the early seasons, it used to start a little bit later because I think Halloween used to fall um, in like maybe episode three, three or four. Mm. And obviously Mm -hmm. now it fell on episode eight. So I do think it got backed up at one point, but I think that wasn't the first time this season, I don't believe. I think it's kind of started scooting earlier and earlier and cutting fewer and fewer episodes. Maybe because they were worried about, you know, having the jump weeks with um thanksgiving and then originally christmas because obviously they're not going to run on you know those nights they don't get as big an audience um closer to the holidays yeah it's weird because i feel like usually we make a big push right before thanksgiving to put the podcast out there and promote it so people when they go do their traveling they can download the episodes and have something to listen to at the airport or on the road or whatever but now we can just promote the whole season seriously yeah because i think uh Obviously, next week, and then it'll be Thanksgiving the week after, so if anyone misses it, they can, I mean, I guess go binge the whole season at that point. That is nuts. That's nuts. Exactly. Or maybe maybe there'll hey. be all sorts of uh, theories that we're talking about going into next season. Who knows? Word. You ready to do this? Let's go. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to This American Horror Story, an unofficial podcast about the F-Exit show, American Horror Story. I am your host, Tyler Moss, here with my co-host. Chris Husted. What's up, everyone? How's Happy penultimate going? episode. Uh, that's right. Episode 9, Fire and Rain. We are uh, left with only one episode in the season of Apocalypse. So many questions. Uh, so much to you know, still be tied up. I cannot wait to dive into it with you. But before we begin, um, there are a few things I do want to go over from you know leftover commentary from last week and uh, different points I want to hit on. Um, first of all, as always, you can check us out at uh, This American Horror Story on Facebook. We have a great community of folks that come and share theories, share ideas, uh, bounce things off each other. Last week we had a little bit of a um, hate on Sojourn uh, thing going I'm on. I'm so glad that everyone... <laughs> like kind of agreed with us and was not angry that we didn't like the episode last week. Uh, if, if anything, I felt like everyone pretty much piled on. And I think part of it was being pissed that the episode was so short. It sounds like it clocked in at like 38 minutes. Um, so, you know, not even two thirds of an hour. Plus, uh, I mean, there was just general agreement that the char- none of the characters were particularly enjoyable and that it was kind of contrived and that it was slow-paced. And it was just, especially this late in the season, it was, it was not, not perfectly done. And also, there was a lot of comparisons to, like, maybe this is even worse than the Valerie Solanus episode from Colt, which I, right. y- we certainly <laughs> didn't like and I know a lot of you out there didn't like as well. Um, also, you know, you can always send us emails at thisamericanhorrorstory at gmail.com. We appreciate that. And please go rate us, review us on iTunes. We're closing the season here pretty soon. And the more kind of people we pull into our listenership the more that we can uh, build a community moving into season 10 or 9 9 this is 8 right moving into season yep, this 9 is 8 yeah which is really exciting um a couple other notes from social media and different things 
you know, um, I think there was a few people commenting on Facebook that Michael's sojourn into the woods and all this kind of, you know, his his vision quest, I think as we'd called it, was a direct parallel to a sojourn that Jesus takes. And I think they even mentioned it in this episode, they like they very explicitly. And it appears the writers were trying to give, you know, Michael a reverse Jesus experience. Um, but from what I can tell, those who are more biblically literate than me were not particularly impressed by this um, kind of parallel. Right. And I, as a former uh, private school kid growing up, I knew this story and I can't believe I didn't think about it, but Jesus was tempted. And this is trying to parallel that, but it was such a quick uh, foray into the woods. Uh, Lest we forget, it was for four days that uh, Michael was tempted, kind of tempted. I thought it was just kind of uh, waiting for um, uh, his dad to speak up. Yeah, seriously. the kids came, but I, I don't know. And then he gave up after four days anyway. It was, it was, I don't know. It just, it, it wasn't successful. So thanks for everyone for reminding me about my uh, uh, church school upbringing because I should have stepped up on that one for everyone. No worries. Um, there's some theories out there that perhaps Mrs. Mead will be the one to ultimately kill Michael based on something that was said in uh, episode eight about, you know, um, her having the potential to turn on people. I still kind of think it's going to be Maggie. That's the way it seems, especially after this episode that seems, to, or sorry, Maggie, Mallory. Mallory. Um, that seems to be the way that it's being set up at this point, but there is a little bit of buzz out there in that regard. And there was two particular comments that I thought were insightful that I want to share. A cat on Facebook threw out there that... Um, the idea that it seems like each group has its own kind of pantheon of gods. He talks about the voodoo devil with Papa Legba and uh, Hecate, Hecate being the goddess of witches. Um, and maybe that's why Michael can't, uh, you know, overcome Cordelia's spell to bring people back to life or whatever. Um, you know, and maybe, you know, there's it's not just heaven and hell in the traditional sense, but there, it's kind of a pagan world where there are all sorts of gods, kind of like right. any, you know, Neil Gaiman, American Gods type set. And maybe Papa Legba is another potential ruler of hell uh, alongside Satan or something in those lines. And then Jackie on Facebook threw out a little bit of Greek-Roman uh, intel. She said that Hecate is the... Greek or Roman goddess of witches, the moon, crossroads, and ghosts. She sometimes she's sometimes given the title Lucifera, which is interesting as kind of a um, foil to Lucifer, perhaps uh, the female version mm-hmm. or or the female version of Lucifer, which literally literally means lightbringer. Um, and I guess uh, Hecate is also referred to as a triple goddess and has the faces of the mother, the maiden, and the crone, um, which is interesting when you think about which three witches. Um, came come back to revive the witches you have madison who could be the the maiden or mallory could be the maiden too i guess but then um the mother being cordelia obviously very much playing the mother role and then perhaps myrtle playing the crone so maybe there is some kind of greek or roman god symbolism going on there as well all sorts of uh interesting religious foundation that this season's built upon so unless we think that it's uh there's no layers to this season it seems like there are we just might not appreciate them so to speak uh, with that being said, let's go into the cold open. Do you want to lay it out for us with our friends uh, Dumber and Dumber? Uh, yeah, Lloyd and uh, what's his name? I forget. Um, uh, yeah, I don't really. Oh, well, anyway, so we open up and we're we're back with our tech bros, and uh, we have a arm holding a gun, clicking the trigger, and uh, Evan Peters. Have we been given names for these characters? I don't think so. I was trying to pay close attention, and may, perhaps someone else. Pay, I, maybe if they too, did, they only mentioned it once. You right. Know. And I couldn't find it on IMDb either. So anyway, uh, we'll just say Evan Peters, tech bro, uh, is uh, saying it's ready for bullets. And then he goes on this diatribe about getting frustrated about 
uh, humanity, and he was in the he was in the left hand turn lane, and the green light was on, and the car in front of him wouldn't pull forward and go left, even though it was a uh, a right of way with the, when there's no one coming, and he gets super frustrated about his coffee and how it tastes like trash, and ultimately, uh, Billy Eichner's character says, "I think this is about. It's not about the coffee. It's about Michael, and they are frustrated with Michael because." Per every episode ever now uh, in in Apocalypse, Michael figures something out at the end of an episode, and then we start at the the episode after that, and he's lost and doesn't know what to do again. So they're frustrated with him. We're frustrated with him. And, <laughs> yes, we're as we are frustrated with him, uh, and uh, they they have to they they want to figure out what to do. But then Miss Venable shows up, and she reminds them that they have a cooperative meeting. And then we kind of get her wheels in motion about why she sacrificed everything for this company and she wants a bigger role in, in some f- form of their company. But they just want her to book them the same flight attendants like Mitzi and Bitsy. I forget what their names are. Cookie and Candy. Roxy. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, right. Uh, anyway, and she finally is fed up and says, I've sacrificed everything for this company. I don't even have a hobby. I'm out. And walk uh, and uh, bounces, and they the guys kind of say, "Ah, she'll be back. She'll be back." Uh, and then we kind of cut away from that, and that's our cold open, which frustrated me because I hate opening up with these two guys. And I, my first question is, why are these our main characters now? Yeah, what did you think about it? You know, I will say. <sighs> I'm trying to appreciate the fact that there's some humor to them. They're like they're you know yes. they're kind of funny, all this kind of stuff. But got it. You love cocaine. Yeah, but they're such one-dimensional characters. Um, you know, you don't really. We open with Evan being so frustrated about you know the end of the world not happening, but I don't know that like I. So he's like, okay, we're just gonna end the world, and it's it. it he doesn't seem real inspired about it. He he doesn't really even seem like that devoted to Michael or to Satan, really. Even though they sold their like right. clearly their moral like. They're just their one dimension is that they're amoral, and just have no morals whatsoever, and it feels it almost feels so arbitrary, and maybe that's intentional, but I don't like it if it is. Um, it's it's like I, I I don't know. It makes it, it takes some weight away from the fact that there is an apocalypse that's about to happen. Kind of that these guys are just so frivolous. They're like, oh, we should just blow up the world. Um, they also just seem so stupid. It's so hard to like really believe so that they're stupid. these geniuses, um, these amazing tech geniuses. And I don't know. It's again, I, I, I'm the same with you where it was like, especially coming off of last episode where we were kind of like really disappointed with these characters to have to start this episode off with them again was starting us off on a bad foot. I felt like I agree. I agree. We should have opened with the witches or something that kind of pulls us into the main storyline, not characters we met one episode ago. Exactly. Exactly. So taking us back to Miss Robichaux's, <clears throat> we, you know, see that Mallory is struggling with her magic. Um, but then we have, uh, I will say there's parts of this episode that do move in a very fast-paced way. And for me, I'll talk about this at the end, kind of offset a little bit some of the parts I didn't like as much. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, this particular scene, you know, Mallory struggling with her magic. Meanwhile, Zoe, Zoe and Queenie are kind of teaching people about protective shields. Then a whole shit show happens in quite the dining quickly. Room. In the dining room. Um we find out that Dina has apparently sold her soul to Satan for a talk show. So there's a throwback to how she got her talk show. And uh, she uses her voodoo magic to break the Cordelia spell. 
Which is which was ridiculous. Cody was like, "Oh, don't worry, he can't get in here. I made a spell." And Michael essentially just walks right on in after uh, Diana breaks it. There's a lot of questions regarding the rules of magic, which I feel like if you're, yeah. for instance, you know, if you're writing a fantasy novel or you're creating a fantasy comic book series or a TV show, what's so important is understanding the rules of your magic world, like who can defeat who, what is has triumph right. over what. And that's a little something that's been murky this season. It's like, okay, which power can block... Uh, say you know, satanic power and warlock power, but apparently voodoo power can overcome regular witch power. So, I, I'm not clear on the hierarchy exactly. Right, and if Cordelia had been paying attention, she'll remember that Marie Laveau and um, Fiona they had they had an antagonistic relationship and battled magic back and forth. So Cordelia should know with Dinah around. Not that Dinah, she anticipated Dinah was going to double cross her or, or try to do something bad. Uh, but she should know that there's other witches out there that could have done this. So it's just a little silly. The rules were broken or they weren't laid out clearly. And classic American Horror Story, I guess. Yeah. I mean, this is a pretty brutal scene. And it does happen yeah. really quickly. Uh, we lose some of our main characters. I mean, Zoe and Queenie we lose. And it seems like they're not coming back because their souls are gone. Which is pretty right. huge. And Bubbles. Bubbles, too. So I guess we're supposed to believe then that Nana is not Bubbles, which is a debate I know we've had on Facebook, um, yeah. which is also <laughs> obnoxious. <laughs> I, I, I do like when Michael walks in and uh, he says to the group at the table with Bubbles at the head of the table, you can't be ex- surprised to see me. And Bubbles without like, this is classic John Collins, I guess, uh, without like really making any type of expression, just goes, Fuck no. You were prophesized. <laughs> Up yours. And then takes a swig of her martini. Because she has martini in class. It was, yeah. That was great. That was badass. But yes. Yeah, this, yeah, but then essentially we have this mass murder. <laughs> well, and we're going to... Now, moving into the last episode where we go back to like... So then I'm... At this point, I'm assuming that Gallant is not Evan Peters' tech bro and that the other right. one... And, but then all the witches are the witches we think they are. And so... That part well, was Bubbles, way too exp- confusing, and especially because Bubbles' character is so similar to Nana's character. Exactly, yeah. That that was the one that could have been, but definitely turns out not. Yeah, so for everyone, I'm pretty sure it's clear now that these are not the same characters. Yeah. Except for the witches, obviously. Except for the witches, right. Um, but yes, very uh, annoying and unnecessary. Yeah. They could have had they could have had someone else besides Billy Eichner and Evan Peters play these two techers. The only... The only reason I think they had them play these roles is because if they're going to introduce new characters, at least having familiar actors make might make us, you know, feel for them or make, might make them a little more compelling because they're at least a familiar face. That's the only thing I can think of. Cause that, yeah, that might have been the intention, but I do not think it was effective, at least not in my case. It, no, definitely not. It made it way more confusing. I mean, we, like our podcast and on our Facebook page, people were going back and forth about are these the same people or not. Yeah. A couple other things of note in this scene. Miss Mead turns out to be a Terminator, which I don't remember if we had seen before that she had guns for hands. Um, no, I didn't. I don't remember that. Yeah. So she's got like these pullout guns in her in her hands. Um, what? And I, I, yeah, go ahead. I, 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 I liked the scene. It was dark and it was about time that we finally got a battle of some sort. I've been waiting for a magical battle, but it still wasn't this. But it's it really annoyed me. I'm sounding very negative on it. This is my favorite scene of of the episode, but 
it annoyed me that all of a sudden, with the exception of Queenie doing her voodoo power on Ms. Mead, all of a sudden they couldn't do their transfiguration or I'm getting a mix of Harry Potter terms here, but like apparating different places, like all the things that they did when they were going through their test of the seven wonders. Uh, and most of them could do about five of them. I think they forgot how to do all of that. Or I don't, I don't know. It just seemed a little ridiculous that they could get gunned down. I made that. That was how they died. I made that note too. And it was like, you know, we get to this point where it's a demon against witches and what's going to take them all down is bullets. That was kind of disappointing. Uh, Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That that was a little like, you know, I think this could have been stretched out and made a really cool chunk of this episode as opposed to one uh, commercial to commercial section. But the thing is, there's so much they have to cram in before the end of the season because they exactly. t- wasted last episode that they had to do this. Yep. <laughs> exactly. um, another thing of note is that, you know, I guess that part of this betrayal with Dinah was foreshadowed when she was talking about how hard it is to make money as a you know, right. voodoo queen these days and kind of felt like the witches had appropriated stuff. Um, she needed some, she needed something else. And apparently that was a talk show. So obviously we know that plays out for because that's where people recognize her when they get to the outpost number three in you know the future right. um, meanwhile michael is pissed he didn't get cordelia and we have this <laughs> he's th- so angsty he is so angsty God. and then we have then we have billy and evan feeding him scripts into uh the mead section and then we we have like this kind of funny moment where he gets his idea inspired from the omen three which was definitely an eye roll moment but it was also kind of funny i don't know how'd you feel about it I lo- as soon as he started saying that, I was like, oh, like the omen. And I couldn't remember which sequel it was, but that is what happens in one of the omens. And then I'm glad they at least acknowledged it because that was, that was kind of fun. That being said, I hate when something happens and then we have to like actually address it and call it what it is you know, 15 seconds later to le- remind us what we heard instead of letting it be a fun Easter egg. Right. But yes, that, yeah, anyway. exactly. That was a little bit – that was classic Ryan Murphy hit you over the head a little bit with that one. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, if anyone hasn't seen The Omen 3, Damien, the son who is marked by the devil, grows up to become uh, – at the end of the first one, he becomes kind of like – I think essentially adopted by the president and then eventually by the third one he uh, runs for president or becomes president. So at this point, I'm going to divide, kind of split paths with the witches okay. section and the Michael section, um, because they're, they're not really as intertwined as they right. were at the beginning of this. Um, so you have this part where Billy and Evan Peters get the idea that they're going to present Michael with the cooperative list, the Illuminati. Um, mm-hmm. And I think they begin, they hint at, no, I think they bring in Venable later, but they talk about some yep. of the people that are on the list as kind of classic, you know, conspiracy you theory people. The I got Bill Clinton. Did you get any other? That's the only one I grabbed, too. I, I was trying to jot them down as quickly as I could, but Bill Clinton was one. And then um, General Sow, I think. And then I can't remember the other ones. I mean, it, it kind of fits into almost kind of the conspiracy theories we would have seen in Cult a little bit. Um, kind of these, you know, uh, you know, mass... Power, like hit secret powers that are gov- you know pulling the strings in world power and world political dynamics. Um, everyone in the cooperative has sold their soul to the, to Satan, which is basically what we kind of already knew last episode when Michael was being brought to these guys. Um, that was what was kind of hinted at. Um, I did think there was an interesting element where like Michael's lamenting that he can't use magic to end the world, and they're basically like, "Why do you need to use magic? We have science." And I think there was a little bit yep. of like nuanced political commentary there. Um, I do think these guys are still idiots, but at least that was acknowledging that like, in a lot of ways, 
science is magic. I mean, right. there's yeah. a lot of, you math know. is stronger than magic. I'm like, okay. Yeah. So a little eye rolling, but still there was, there was something to it. Um, and then, you know, back jumping ahead at, to the, to the bot farm scene where, um, Billy Eichner and Evan Peters approach Miss Venable. And as she's packing up the things, they give her the opportunity to run outpost number three. Um, we kind of see her origin story. This was one of the better parts, I guess, just because we get some, you know, insight into how she got from point A to point B. It's not as interesting as maybe I'd hoped it would be. Um, I kind of, that seemed like such an interesting character when the season began, you kind of hope there was more to it. Right. Uh, but you know, I, I wrote here, these guys are so fucking unbelievable as genius power brokers again. Um, and then, obviously, the kind of compelling thing about being the captain of outpost number three to her is that she doesn't have to answer to anybody after being pretty much um, stomped on by these two guys for however many years. Which is kind of frustrating. Like, this is where we end the episode because we know Venable dies. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I'm not as invested in her evolution as the outpost director just like i don't give two shits about how mead became a robot it's wasted time yeah well and here's what i said it's like meanwhile you know michael's still a nervous weenie on the brink of convincing the cooperative to do their duty when they're kind of at this um meeting before they go in so robo Mead yeah. gives him a pep talk and it's like okay i've seen enough of satan not having any self-confidence Yes, you know we've got it. Yeah, like I, I honestly think that him not having self confidence should have been at most one episode full arc from unself confident to fully confident because he's so much more compelling as the Michael we see in the first few episodes when he's like the long haired devil that has all the powers and knows how to use them versus the timid teenager we see in the others. You know, right? Episodes. Exactly. Um, so then he goes into like a, I don't know, it reminded me of like Eyes Wide Shut with all the masks a little bit, or maybe like um, the James Bond movie Spectre, where they have like that mm-hmm. the, the meeting at the beginning with Christoph Walsh-like scene. And uh, Michael informs them all that he's the Antichrist after kind of revealing he knows about them. And then you have like this very bureaucratic kind of thing where he, he tells them it's a uh, $100 million price. Turn to page six, section one about outpost construction. Yep. Which was kind of funny, I guess. It was seemed like a funny. This seemed like a funny place to leave things, but yeah. Is there a reason why there's the hundred million dollar admission price? I I don't think Michael needs money. Is do we know why that was? I mean, I know it's to establish affordability, I guess. Well, and I guess also he needed it, these people who have the money are the ones who pull the strings on to making it, the yeah. apocalypse happen with nukes and all that. So maybe that's why he needs yeah. their stuff. One thing that he like he does to appeal to them to enact the apocalypse is say. You know, that they need to have the apocalypse because of things like famine and greed and all this stuff. But this kind of struck me as like, isn't those, aren't those the things that Satan's supposed to like? Like, what is, mm-hmm. you know, he says start fresh, but they're not going to start fresh with like peace and happiness. You know what I mean? Right. It's unclear of what type of apocalypse he actually wants. Uh, ultimately, I think they've just been stoking the fires of him and his revenge on witches. And that's exactly. I don't even know that he really wants the apocalypse, which almost makes it worse. Yeah. Yeah. It does. So that's where, I mean, with, with their very bureaucratic, like, flip to section six, it's kind of yeah. where, where we leave things with Michael. Um, back in uh, the witch's world, Madison, Myrtle, Mallory, Coco, and Cordelia are hiding off in Misty Day's cabin in, you know, the, um, the swamp. Um, I'm glad they let us know where Misty was. Yeah, although it does seem like a cheap thing to, like, have had her appear in one episode and then send her off gallivanting with Stevie so we never see her again. 
Well, let's let's not forget we still have no idea where Kyle is. Thank God, I, I'm okay with that, <laughs> and that we're okay with that one. But it is weird that no one's even asked where he was, let alone Madison, who murdered or who was murdered by Kyle. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Cordelia is getting all kind of worked up, and that's when Madison has the big reveal that Michael has the power to annihilate souls, um, which really upsets Cordelia and kind of adds even more desperation to this whole thing. And that's when Myrtle pulls up what I'm going to call uh, the Deus ex, uh, Deus ex Machina of the <laughs> season. The God in the Machine, the time time travel aspect, which is something that I think oh, Bry- Bryce theorizes early as episode two or something like that, and it's actually coming to fruition here. Um, and I guess this was supposed to be foreshadowed by what Myrtle said when Mallory brought the deer back, that she right, when we, turned we time back. That. We did notice that. Right, the deer it. was younger. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there's stakes because if you don't do it right, you die, even though she doesn't because she's so powerful, apparently. I guess that's what the demonstration is. Um, why they picked the Bolshevik Revolution seems pretty random to me. I had a lot of questions about this. Um, how the hell did they know that this happened, first of all, if Anastasia died? Why is this story in their books? Who recorded it? I don't know. Um... But you have this, I guess, you know, they like going back in time to hit kind of like historical fiction aspect uh, into, you know, czarist Russia. You see Tsar Nicholas played by a, an actor from home. He's been in Homeland and a bunch of other things. He's one of those oh, guys that plays that. Russians. Yeah. Um, he's a great actor. One of the guys but, that like, plays Russians. He, like, <laughs> there's a few that, like, there's a, there's a lot you of guys. Like, Homeland and the Americans between, like, had a lot of crossover over the last couple seasons. Actors. In uh, actors. But, you know, Anastasia has her special necklace, and apparently she had... I don't know. This felt so. This felt particularly contrived to me, because it's like it's not like she had the power to turn time. I thought that's what they were going to talk about, as someone who almost could turn time but couldn't. Instead, it's just she had the power to shield but didn't have a strong enough power. So Ma- uh, Mallory has to go back and, and save her. Um, this was so lame. So she, Sorry. I, uh. so she does, and is apparently absolutely unfazed by the fact that she's suddenly in, you know, 19, what, 17, 18, Russia, um, immediately gets a, a feel for her senses and helps Anastasia do the spell, but Black alas, bullets. it is not strong enough, and everyone dies, and she comes back bleeding from her eyes. Great acting yeah. by uh, Billy, Lord, Billy Lord, coming back yeah. out of it, I said. That's like, scream was blood Coming back out curling. of it, yes. I agree. Yeah. That was emotional it was that part was very emotional um you also had some very emotional parts from cordelia from sarah paulson this episode too yes when she yeah when she was seeing her queenie and uh zoe disappear that was really and she's and she slaps madison like you really believed it in that sense you know yep so those parts were good sarah paulson's great um but obviously we kind of know where this is going is mallory basically cordelia's gonna have to die and mallory's gonna get the flow of power um, we have this moment where Cordelia and Myrtle are kind of reflecting about it on the porch. And actually, for me, this was maybe my favorite moment of the episode where you get kind of this heartwarming come to terms conversation between the two of them, two characters we both really like. Yep. Um, you know, we get Cordelia is so afraid of being her mother and being selfish because she doesn't want to die. And through this conversation, it seems like maybe, you know, Cordelia is kind of coming around to the idea of it, but they're like, okay, well, let's try to postpone things for a little while by appealing to Behold and John Henry to help us out. Uh, only to find them all dead, dead in the shape this of a was pentagram. A eerie image. Which was really gross. I, to be also, a side note, I'd forgotten that there were other students still left at the Warlock Academy because they kind of mm-hmm. hadn't appeared so recently, but this was pretty brutal. 
um, these piles of bodies. It reminded you of like it reminded me of definitely like old sketches of hell or something like that. You know, mm-hmm. um, that would I you'd feel see like it reminded a- me of don't didn't in Roanoke we saw the the pentagram with like bones or or um, uh, parts of bodies or squirrels. So I, for some reason, I had that imagery also. Th- that, that sounds I familiar. Recalled. Yeah, yeah, that does. Sound I'm familiar. sure we've seen it in some season or two. Right. And so, I mean, we arrive kind of at a interesting point here at the end of this episode. We've actually, for real, lost a fair number of characters this episode. We lost Behold and John Henry. We lost Queenie and Zoe. Um, am I forgetting anybody else? We still have that's technically it. I mean, those are good. Yeah, Walter Romanovs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the uh, czars. Um but you know, we learn we learn some things, but there's also a lot to be unhappy about. We have one episode left to wrap this whole thing up, and we're still in the flashback. Where are you at with things? You know, I think I'm frustrated. Um, there, I, I like some, this. This is definitely a bounce back from the previous episode. I'll say that I was I was enjoying it um, throughout throughout most of it. I think a few things. <laughs> One, it's a little late in the season for a historic flashback. Uh, you know, that actually serves no purpose to me. What was the purpose of them going back to save Anastasia Romanov? Do you know? I mean, it was to save her life? Was it to ask her how to do this? From my understanding, reverse- it was just a situation in which Mallory could demonstrate that she could successfully go back in time and change history. I think that was it, yeah. Why that time, why that person just seemed unclear to me and unnecessary to risk killing. <laughs> this could have uh, been Mallory. such this could have been such a cool opportunity for them to intertwine another season of American Horror right. Story. I mean, we've even in even in Coven we saw flashbacks to different time periods. Why didn't they flash back exactly. to a different time period from Coven or something like that, you know? Um that would have been yeah. a cool opportunity to really keep the world tied together in a way, instead yeah. of this kind of frivolous so sojourn to Bolshevik yep. Russia. Which two things else about that? One, I love that as um, Myrtle's telling the story of the Romanovs, uh, um, Mallory says, "Oh, so like, what does the Bolshevik re- re- uh, revolution have to do with this?" Like, she she knows her history that well as a, I don't know, a nineteen year old, eighteen. I don't know how old she's supposed to be, twenty year old, twenty one. Mm-hmm. She's in early twenties, so. probably. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that and also when Mallory shows up uh, in Russia, she speaks English to Anastasia, and Anastasia understands her. <laughs> that might be a witch thing, though. I yeah um, yeah I didn't even think about that, but that's a good point. Yeah, um, I do. I did like that Cordelia st- continuing to have an identity crisis, like she's ready to sacrifice herself because she needs to do whatever she can do to. Um, to save her girls or Somewhat bl- remaining. kind of a biblical reference there too obviously mm-hmm. you know um, martyr, martyrdom exactly. and, but, but Myrtle in that heart to heart convinces her like no we don't we can't lose you yet we need you uh, we just need to buy some time so obviously we, that sets us up for the identity spells and you know hiding the girls uh, and, and seeing kind of what happens or how to, how to bring them back post apocalypse we have to see the world well, that's in the preview. Anyway, so um, that the Bolshevik thing was kind of frustrating for me. I'm really frustrated that we haven't seen one magic fight yet. You know, like, 
we've seen people kill people on both sides, but never like a full out battle. And it would be nice to have seen one of these. Yeah. Um, I think Dinah's character is kind of a mess. I the only thing I was thinking, I was thinking like we need Marie Marie Laveau to show up here and come clean up this mess. Uh, which would be great. I know she's not in the season, but it would I, be great. I feel like they must be setting her up to be redemptive in the season finale somehow. Right. Um, but we haven't which, spent enough time with her that for me to even feel that. You yeah. Know? Or, yeah. You know, and I like Adina Porter. She's great. Um, I do think, may, you know, it'd be kind of cool if it turns out that she actually pulled like one over on Michael and she ended up sacrificing all of the Miss Robichaux's school girls to by, by having Michael kill them so Papa Legba will save the world or something like that. You know the original deal that maybe she went back. Mm, that would be Cordelia's cool. Deal. Oh, I like that a lot. That would be a cool. I, that'd be a good surprise, probably, yeah. That that's that's way too intelligent for the show maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. But that'd be kind of cool. It's a theory. I like that. Um cuz I'm like why is she doing this? She she she's just doing this for a TV show? I don't know. Um what what else? Oh, and then I don't know. I, I'm worried about this whole episode or this whole season ending with Mallory just going back in time and killing Michael before any of this happens. That's such a cop out to me and a, a really lazy way to end this story. But that's a, like, what else can they do in one episode? So I, I'm really hesitant on how this is going to end. Um, I do think it's good that we saw Zoe and Queenie die, even though I like them, because it maybe means their stakes now with death um but i don't i don't know i think the last episode before this kind of threw me for a loop and now i'm just ready to see how they're going to fix this as opposed to being excited to see what my characters are going to do how do you feel ultimately? no i agree with you on a lot of these accounts um on a lot of how things played out in this episode with with diana with the bolshevik flashback those were frustrating uh, michael's continued angst continues to be frustrating in our two idiot guys um, even like you said, Venable's back, excuse me, backstory I found unsatisfying, which was too bad because she was such a compelling character to begin things. You know, I think that for me, the most compelling parts of this episode were the 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 sections with Cordelia really being mo- like that. Sarah Paulson does such a good job of conveying the emotion and like the motherly. Um, the the way that Cordelia feels so protective of the coven, uh, mm-hmm. I, that I like, you really do feel for her in those particular spots, and you know, I thought that the final scene was really eerie with all the bodies piled up in the Warlock School. I agree. I just feel like this was a little bit of a bounce back from last episode, and it filled in some gaps. It's bringing us closer to the present but it wasn't wholly satisfying in a lot of different ways. I felt like, just because I feel like there's easy things they could have done to make it better, and they didn't. Uh, another, you know, I'm with you that moving forward into the final, I feel like I'm hoping for something a little bit more innovative than, like you said, just going back and killing Michael as a baby. I'm wondering if perhaps, I don't know, maybe she goes back and the reason they've made, you know, such a big deal of Michael having turned at some point is he is redeemable early in the line of things and he can be exercised from the uh, demon inside of him. I feel like that's going to be tough, but maybe that's a possibility. I don't know. Um, But otherwise, I kind of sit where you do at this point. Um, But yeah, looking forward to wrapping things up and and talking about where things stand in comparison to kind of the... uh, 
pantheon of other American Horror Story seasons after next week. Do you, do you think there's a chance that we might get a to-be-continued at the end of this season and then next season? Because we don't know what next season is, and next season will be like the second half of the story post-apocalypse. Because this, this <sighs> season was sorely misnamed. It was. It was. It's... It's possible, but I actually don't think so. I think they're going to try to tie it up in a long episode. Yeah, I think they're going to try to tie it up in a long episode next yeah. next week. I really do. Um, it just seems like more. I don't know that that from from what I feel from the preview and stuff. That's what my guess is. What do you you, you agree with that? Yeah, I hope they. I really hope they wrap it up. If there's a to be continued, I think they might lose a lot of people. <laughs> uh, just because it's not an anthology anymore, or I don't know. Or they should have just made this a longer season. What they should have done was cut about three of these episodes that they've done this season out completely and just told the story simply. Yeah. Well, and we'll see. Maybe there's more, you know, I'm holding out hope. Maybe there's more to the timeline. Yes. And that we'll learn the season finale than we've realized. But these past couple episodes do not have me particularly hopeful. Um, Obviously, we know there is a time aspect with the time travel. So maybe that plays a part in it. One final question for you before we rank it, I guess, or rate it. They brought this up, Cordelia and Myrtle were talking about this at the end, and I thought this was kind of a cool thought. How do you think Fiona would have handled the situation with during as as Supreme during Michael's reign? I think that she would have maybe been more bish like more combative early on. Um you know, she was always seemed to be one that anyone who had, you know, even comparable power to her, she was out to get them from the beginning, you know? Mm-hmm. So maybe, maybe she would have tried to kill Michael, or like, from the get-go before he really kind of had a grasp of what his powers were. Um, right, that's maybe. a potential theory. And maybe she would have died in the process. But I see her being more kind of compelled by her own personals, personal fear. What do you think? I think that I, I, I could see that um, on the flip side, I could also see her, you know, hitching her wagon to Michael in some way, uh, like embracing the evil and trying to be buddies with him so she could survive and have because, you know, remember her thing was all about her eternal youth and beauty and wanting to keep that as long as possible. And if Michael can provide that, just like he provided certain things for like Dinah, like the TV show, like she would have sold her soul to the devil to keep that type of uh, uh, beauty and youth. So she could also, you know, saddle up on next to him and try to ride that wave and see where that went. I don't know. She was, she's obviously, and this this is why her and Cordelia are so different. Um, She's unpredictable. Cordelia is predictable in, in a good way as a good human being. Right. So all that being said, what would, what would how you many give Romanov siblings? How many how many dead czarist Russians would you give? I've got to say I, that's like one of my favorite like historic mysteries, and to see it just thrown in. Also, this is why I'm maybe a little more sensitive about it. But to see it thrown in for a ten minute, maybe not even ten minute, like seven minute subplot with nothing of fruition to come out of it is frustrating because that could have been really what used is the, well concisely. What is the mystery itself? I don't know that I was clear on that. Well, so the during the Bolshevik Revolution, the Romanov family was kind of double-crossed, and they were brought into their basement. Uh, and I think, actually, they may have been taken into the woods also. The whole family, I think it was five kids and the mom and the dad, and they were all brutally murdered with, um, you know, like hatchets or, or 
machetes and like and guns and then after they were killed their bodies were moved uh where they were even desecrated even more like ripped up and 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 uh buried somewhere but for years um they they the government denied having anything to do with it so f- i'm giving you the longer version so for decades no one knew where the gravesite was and which ones were still alive there was a rumor that the mom and the and one of the daughters survived or the son survived and people were tra- and then all these people saying that they were romanov uh people uh family members were coming out of the woodworks but they were so but it was never fully they never found the gravesite until like 1979 or something like that. So that's so that could potentially explain. So that could potentially p- explain more why they chose that particular episode in history. Because if there is all this confusion, then in theory, um, Mallory could save somebody, and that could be why a Romanov line still exists. Yep. Okay. I think there was even unsolved mysteries episode about <laughs> about this, where huh. one of the the sisters, the daughter, one of the daughters may have survived and escaped in the woods and. I don't know. It's a, it's a it's a really fascinating story. I, yeah, interesting. There's like so many different like History Channel things done on it, but you should check it out. Anyway, I would give this uh, episode three uh, Romanovs, three children out of five. Three three out of children. It was out better of five. than last week, but it's just not up to <clears throat> doing what it needs to do for this penultimate episode. What do you give it? I give it three and a quarter, and I pull it up mm-hmm. with kind of the um, strength of acting from yes, Cordelia that was in there. Uh, you're right. Um, so I changed mine. Three and a quarter? Okay, so that's solid a six and a half. Six and a half. So that's, I mean, that's respectable, but a lot is dependent, as it normally is in the penultimate episode, on how the final episode plays out. Yep. Agreed. Which we'll, we'll see next week. Um, before we end, did you see the the final finale preview? I did see it. Did you see it? I did. Okay, uh, so what what stuck out to you? I'm pretty sure we see another Constance flashback. I, we see yes. Constance Langdon again, yes. which is like interesting. Yeah. Um, it seems like we finally get back to the present. Finally. And the, the apocalypse. Uh, and the apocalypse finally takes place. Anything else jump out at you? Uh, well, I think there's a scene where we see, like, uh, hands kind of shooting, immediately shooting out of the ground. And one yeah. of the gloves. And I think that's Myrtle's hand. So I think... Madison and Ooh. Myrtle and Cordelia uh, Cordelia are actually alive when we see them on uh, Halloween. Halloween. So we see so they, the rise from the dead on Halloween. On the huh. Something. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe they rise on Halloween like we'd kind of predicted. Interesting. Yep. And then we see um, uh, battle of, or we, we hear Cordelia say it's going to be a battle of good and evil. There's going to be a thousand nuclear bombs. And I think Myrtle says we have to see the world burn to save it. So it looks like we're finally getting our battle. Royale, yeah. I hope. And we finally get the logic behind how everything has played out this season, and hopefully we're impressed by yep. it, and there's more layers than we anticipate. So Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Uh, with that being said, as always, we uh, hope you guys you know join the conversation on Facebook between now and next week. What are your expectations for the episode? Uh, what do you think is going to happen? What do you like and dislike so far? Also, um, I will always, uh, we, we would... Uh, Always appreciate it if you reach out to us via uh, email at thisamericanhorrorstory at gmail.com with your thoughts uh, in lieu of the upcoming finale. And, um, you know, rate us and review us on iTunes. We sincerely appreciate that. So, Chris, between now and the finale, where can people catch you? Instagram and Twitter at Chris Husted, Chris with a K. How about you, Tyler? You can find me on Twitter as well at TJMoss11. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. And until next week, happy hauntings. 